0: Well good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk the Pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program's designed for, well, it's designed for me. You know, there's a lot I don't understand. Now, it doesn't have to be soul-shaking, although it can be serious sometimes. And I find that rather than getting into a deep chapter and verse theological discussion, a casual front porch-style talk with the pastor is the best way to understanding. And that's what this program is all about. Today's guest pastor is Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. I have my questions. I'm sure that you have yours as well. And we'd like to hear your questions. So you can email us at any time during the program at Let's Talk at kfuo.org. Or you can call into the program if you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, at area code 314-821-0850. Or toll free anywhere in North America at 1-800-730-2727. Before we start the program, I wanted to bring some sad news. Uh, If you've been following the news anywhere on radio and TV right now, you'll know that there's been another shooting incident in the state of Texas. Someone walked into a school, and we know that somewhere between 8 and 10 people have been murdered. The LCMS has responded with a prayer, and I want to give that prayer right now. It's on our Facebook page as well. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, We pray to you for the many shattered lives after this horrific shooting. Have mercy, Lord, have mercy. We know that it's the thief who comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but your son came that we might have life and live it abundantly. Comfort in your kindness all who grieve, and let them find in you the only source of peace and forgiveness and eternal hope. Grant healing to those who have been injured and are receiving medical care. We pray that you bring an end to such sad moments in our national history. We ask this in the name of him who bore our every sin to death on the cross and who rose in triumph over the grave, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Pastor Lawrence, welcome to the program. I wish the circumstances were a little bit happier, but yeah. the, de- the times we live in. It certainly is. Certainly it's some tough times. And, uh... Well <laughs> I want to move on you know you and I talked about this before I actually it kind of interesting I was at a meeting at uh, at the communications department and uh, the I had brought up a um survey that was done recently from the Pew Research Institute uh-huh. and they do a lot of uh, a lot of findings and one of the things that they had noticed was that the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod LCMS is overwhelmingly white, like 95% white, despite the the, the amount of time that we've been around and work we have done in in various communities. Now, it so happens that you are my pastor, and you are not white. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and it also happens that our congregation at St. James, I think, is African-American majority.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. In fact, um, yeah, it was even more white when I first started, yeah.
0: yeah. and it's going more and more. And it's going more and more yeah. in the, uh, the other direction. Well, I want to ask you, well, actually, this is going to be a multifaceted uh, series of questions. One is, why are we not making more inroads into the African-American community, especially since we are doing so well overseas? uh... lutheran growth in uh... in africa and sub-saharan africa has been explosive uh... also you know, what are the unique challenges that you have faced or our congregation has faced again this is there's not, we're not reaching out we're, we're doing something wrong
1: yeah um... there are certainly um... obstacles that um, i have noticed over the years um, and, uh, I, for example, I should, uh, talk about one that I noticed when I was in living in New York. Because, you know, before I became Lutheran, I was Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when my family and I migrated to America, we lived in New York City. And I used to pass this Lutheran church, a Missouri Synod Lutheran church every morning and every afternoon going to and from my high school, which was Andrew Jackson High School. And uh, never thought that one day I would actually go into that church and <laughs> become Lutheran myself. Um, I just knew I was becoming more disillusioned with being Roman Catholic. But uh, after getting to know Lutheranism, um, I started to see some of the obstacles we face with, uh, with reaching out to um, African Americans. And I think one of the first ones I noticed was something they call white flight. Okay. Um, for example, Redeemer, where I first came in contact with Lutheranism, when I got there, it was all black, all African-American. And when you look through some of the pictures of the past, apparently the church was uh, all German before. And I heard the same thing when I visited another Missouri Synod Lutheran church, not far from... Um, Redeemer, it was Grace in Queens Village. In fact, my children went to that school, um, Grace Lutheran School. And uh, you hear the same talk about uh, um, what they call white flight. That as soon as the neighborhood changes, um, as soon as African Americans start buying more homes and move into a certain neighborhood, then you have a lot of the Caucasians would uh, move move away from that area. And so you always notice that as soon as African-Americans start coming into a Lutheran church, eventually, you know, you start to see a a turnover. You start to have whites leaving and more African-Americans coming in. And then eventually the church does become all African-American. Um, In fact, that was also the case with um, Trinity Locust Manor, which is also not far from Redeemer. Um, That one became all African-American too. Grace was still quite mixed for quite some time, Um, but eventually it it also became predominantly African-American. So I think this... uh, white flight has been one of the obstacles that we face in in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod where people leave the neighborhood leave the church because you know African Americans are coming in
0: I'd like to say I wonder why that is and I've got to ask the question how much is racism playing into this and and I'm you know Lutheran doctrine is quite clear. We're right. all God's children. There, there is no color as far as God is concerned. True. But is that perhaps... You know, we were talking before the program about how we are all sinners. We are all yes. flawed. Yes, yes. Uh, that
1: is true, you know. Um, <laughs> and one of the things I have to remind myself of sometimes is uh, when, when I go to a hospital, what do I expect to find? I expect to find a lot of sick people. Yeah. So so, <laughs> <You're> so <right. laughs> when when you go to church what do you expect to find? Sin sin uh, sin, yeah, sin sinful, sinful people, yeah, you right. know? So yeah, we are all sinners and I think sometimes, you know, we have these sinful tendencies that we need to be aware of in order to um make an effort to to at least, you know, put it down you know Mm -hmm. because we we always want to feed our righteous nature the nature that loves God and wants to do His will we need to feed that nature with the Word of God and with the Blessed Sacraments and we need to try and starve that sinful nature that uh, doesn't want us to love God and do His will Um, so you know I think in the past we have seen this this tendency, this racial tendency to have what they call white flight, where they would just leave the area or leave the church, um, and so that's been an obstacle, I think, to um, making inroads into the African American community. That was one, but you know, I don't want to, I don't want to blame this all on white flight because I also think that uh, there's a kind of possessiveness that sometimes exist in congregations whether they are black or white and when they become kind of possessive that can also become an obstacle because then they don't welcome others I give you a good example when my my mother and I joined the Redeemer Lutheran Church, which was all black when we got there. Mm -hmm. When we joined that church, um, something happened to us that was rather shocking. We would have expected this to happen in a white congregation, not in a black one. (laughs) And this is what happened. we used to sit on the lectern side of the, 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 the nave, mm-hmm. sit on the lectern side, pretty close to the front. Not all the way up front, but pretty close. And uh, we were unaware that taking that seat, sitting in that area was offensive. We were unaware of it, that we were offending anybody and this is what happened Um, we noticed a shift in the communion practice you know normally when they are having people go up for communion they would start on both sides Mm
0: -hmm. start at the
1: front and then move to the back and then we notice there was a shift they would start on the pulpit side go all the way down to the back and then come over on the lectern side and then go all the way down to the back no problem we were not bothered by that at all then there was another shift they would start on the pulpit side go all the way down to the back and then start at the back on the lectern side and then move up to the front so that we would get communion last still not bothered by that so one sunday they started on the pulpit side again go all the way down to the back crossed over on the lectern side at the back and came all the way up and stopped right before they got to us so we got no communion that sunday Oh my gosh <laughs> and this is not in a white congregation this is in a predominantly black congregation oh. So, my mother, she, my mother has a way with words.
0: <laughs> Mothers do. Yeah, they do.
1: <laughs> she, uh, on her way out, she stopped at the door, shook the usher's hand, and said to him, I noticed that um, you didn't miss me when you were picking up the offering. <laughs> but you missed me for communion oh, and she funny. just shook his hand, smiled nicely and we left now that would have turned a lot of people off from the church they would have just left and, and not come back mm-hmm. but uh, you know we we went back we kept going to redeem a Lutheran church um, because we were pretty much aware that we're not there to worship people, but we're there to worship God, you know, to have God speak to us through his word and his sacraments to nourish us, to forgive us, to nourish and strengthen our faith in him and to accept our thanks. Um, So we kept going, and eventually we became accepted. But that unwillingness sometime to accept newcomers to be so possessive about your congregation as if um, a visitor or a newcomer is is an intruder you know that that can be an obstacle
0: well it's I, I, and i have to say i have i was so impressed with the welcome i received Great. at saint james you people really had gone out of your way to make me to make me welcome there. And uh, and church, a couple of weeks ago, there were a couple of visitors who came in. Yes. And I remember you standing up at the lectern and introducing yourself and asking them to introduce themselves.
1: Exactly, and- yeah. Uh, St. James is a very warm church. But let me tell you this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I first came to St. James, um, it was more white than, than black. Um, and it's gradually changing. Uh, I would say it was about half and half and uh, we had um, two field workers and when they heard that the church had called someone who was uh, black um, they really wanted to stick around because they said we want to see what's going to (laughs) happen you know what's going to happen when this african-american comes in and uh, we initially had some white flight um, but most of them did not leave most of them have been very warm very welcoming very encouraging and uh, you are there now and you can see that they are still there they're very, still very supportive of of the of the ministry at uh, at St James and uh, i have made very good friends with a lot of them so you know um you know they, they don't all run away, you know <laughs> they don't all run Even away a couple like me <laughs> know, <I mean. laughs> they don't all run away, but initially, yeah, we had um but and I don't think the the ones that left, I don't think they left so much because of me being black, I don't think that was their reason for leaving, which brings me to another obstacle that um I think we face when it comes to reaching out. Um, also, to African Americans, we have to distinguish sometimes between conservatism and confessionalism.
0: okay, explain this
1: yeah you know we we think of ourselves in Missouri Synod as conservatives, and often by that we mean that uh... you know we believe the bible is the word of god we believe the book of concord is the correct exposition of the scriptures we believe the sacraments we uh, we believe the liturgy is uh... is you know the church's way of worshiping and it is very biblical it's like speaking god's words back yeah. to him and uh, you know i i love the liturgy for that reason but a better description for for that is confessionalism you know we are confessional because we speak back the word of god to him you know we say you know it's the same say remember dr freyhan used to say that you know it is same say you say back to god his word and that is more confessionalism but when you speak of um conservatism conservatism can be distinguished from confessionalism in the sense that sometimes there is a tendency on the part of human beings whether you're black or white to resist change
0: oh yeah
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> to resist yeah, <laughs> to resist <laughs> change um, and uh, you know I, I think sometimes some of the members that left it wasn't so much because I'm black why they left I think sometime they left because it was a change you know um pastor Warnick who was there before pastor Baker he was there for um over 40 years
0: mm-hmm.
1: he was there pastor for over 40 years and
0: he was so identified with being yeah the congregation
1: so you know when um pastor Baker came he was there for for um over 30 years um and uh so they had become used to him being the pastor so sometime when a church go through the change of a pastor that can also cause people to go well it's not the same you know sometime even just changing the time of a service oh yeah you know there was a time when st james had a, a early service and a late service There was one service at 8 o'clock, then you'd have Bible study at 9, and then the other service at 10. And when the congregation got so small that they couldn't uh, do two services anymore, they decided to cancel the 8 o'clock service. Well, the people who were accustomed to the 8 o'clock service um, just walked away rather than... You know join the the people at the ten o 'clock service, so sometimes you know conservatism is is can be an obstacle when people resist
0: um change well you know bill swirla uh, one another pastor and I have discussed who's also been a guest in this program uh, we did a program some months ago about Lutheran humor, one of mm-hmm. which is uh how many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? Yeah, yeah right right. <laughs> change? Lutherans don't <laughs> change.
1: We were um talking together <laughs> at um at the repass, um um Theodore Keegley, um, one of our really devout members, passed away recently. And we were talking at his repass at the funeral and then went back to the mortuary for a repass. And, uh, some of the, the German Lutherans were talking with us. <laughs> they were very nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, uh, they commented on that. They commented on the, the stubbornness that they say seemed to exist among Germans and oh, yeah. their tendency to resist change. And, uh, my wife brought up one of those, um, humors. <laughs> she said, um, you probably have heard this one she said um, someone died and went to heaven and uh... saint peter is taking him down the hallway and he opens one door and he says in here are the, the baptists and then he went to another door and he says in here are the pentecostal and he's going down and he opens the door quietly and he goes be very quiet in here are the Lutherans and they think that they are the only ones up here <laughs> so you know, which is quite a which is quite well, a humor yeah. so you know there is a tendency sometimes also to uh, you know in conservatism and that's why I like to distinguish um, confessionalism from conservatism because I think conservatism can be an obstacle when people just resist change I am accustomed to my church being this way, looking this way, the pastor looking this way, then that can be an obstacle. In fact, when I was on vicarage, I should tell you this one. This is good because I did my vicarage at a predominantly white congregation and I got to know them very well. They were really, really nice um, and uh, got to know this older gentleman that uh, took me under his wing and uh, said he was gonna teach me everything that the seminary wasn't teaching me (laughs) (laughs) so he said he was telling me one day said the founder of this church would be rolling over in his grave now to know that you know the church actually have a, a vicar that is black and i go why would he be you know rolling over in his grave about that he goes In the past, I remember saying to to this um, pastor, he said, "Um, you know, we don't uh, have African-Americans joining our church. And uh, the pastor said, "Um, it would be okay if they lived in our neighborhood. Uh And this older gentleman said to him, pastor, do I live in this neighborhood? I passed three Lutheran churches Uh to get to this church. I don't live in this neighborhood. I like that. You know, so you you realize that conservatism can be this obstacle to to reaching out, you know, we want our neighborhood to look a certain way, you know, we expect our church to look a certain way. And and that can be an obstacle. So, you know, being possessive about your congregation, treating it like this is my Home and if you come in here, you are an intruder. Yeah, I think that that can be bad, and uh, you know, bad for the church, bad for the the evangelism endeavor of the church, which is what the church is supposed to be doing—reaching out to to those who don't know Christ, to welcoming them to to come and know Christ and to worship Him. So I think you know, between white flight that I have seen, um, it's been a problem. I think. Conservatism, that possessiveness, um, is also a, a problem too. How do we overcome these uh, obstacles, though? How do we get past um, the, the racism that you know? It's obviously a reality. You know, yeah. racism is a sin, so, yeah. so therefore, you know, it's it's going to be a part of us. And like I say, it's not only just about uh white and black sometimes it's african American and West Indian you know where you know you see us and we look we we speak with a different accent <laughs> you know it's obvious really? to yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's obvious that we are you know from a different country you know, and so you know sometimes people can can um can object to your presence for one for more than one reason. <laughs>
0: We've got to take a little break now. We're we're going to pick this up at the bottom of the hour. (laughs) Stay tuned. We want to hear from Pastor Lawrence and we want to hear from you. You're listening to Let's Talk. The Pastor is in.
2: I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 122, verse 1. Each weekday, the servants of God at the LCMS International Center gather together to receive the gifts of God in His Word. I invite you to join us weekdays, 10 a.m., for a live broadcast of daily chapel services on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere.
3: Gary Duncan, the General Manager of Worldwide KFUO. We promote our various programs. We ask you to listen to your favorite show. We ask you to support our broadcast ministry, and we thank you for that support. But maybe we don't ask you to pray for us as much as we should. Please pray for the staff, management, radio hosts, and volunteers here at Worldwide KFUO. Pray that the message of salvation through Christ is heard clearly by listeners around the world. Pray that we continue to reach into those areas that are hostile to the Word of God. Pray that KFUO continues to reach those people desperately needing to hear the good news message. And pray that God continues to bless us financially through the gifts we need to continue our broadcast ministry. Thank you for listening, supporting, and praying for Worldwide KFUO. You truly are appreciated. We are the messenger of good news, AM 850 in St. Louis, worldwide at kfuo.org. Good to them that hate you. Discover a world where knowing Jesus is a matter of life and death.
1: Come out,
3: White Lighter Theater presents Escape from the Eagle's Nest. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Did you know there's an estimated 36,000 museums located in the U.S.? And there are more museums in the U.S. than Starbucks and McDonald's combined.
2: And International Museum Day draws attention to museums' roles as agents of cultural exchange and institutions that promote understanding among the people of the world.
3: Consider our nation's capital alone, the home of the massive Smithsonian complex, including the National Air and Space Museum, the new National Museum of African American History and Culture. And the home of Museum of the Bible opened in November 2017 with its 40-foot-high entrance flanked by massive bronze panels engraved with the words of Genesis 1 from the Gutenberg Bible, engaging people with the significant history and narrative of the Bible and in its impact on every aspect of life.
2: Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C.
0: Welcome back to Let's Talk, The Pastor is In. I'm Kip Allen, and I'm with Pastor Wayne Lawrence. And we are discussing all sorts of interesting things. Most interesting thing right now is, well, we got a problem here in the LCMS. We are not, for some reason, getting our message out to the African-American community. Now, Pastor, one thing I wanted to ask you uh, on our current membership, what brought them the the African American people. What brought them to St James? Uh huh. As you pointed out, once upon a time, it was a fairly white church.
1: Yes, yes. There was uh, when Pastor Baker was there. Um, he had a co pastor with him for a while, a um, Pastor Karowski, and uh, Pastor Karowski was the one that did an enormous amount of outreach into the community because the community had changed a lot of the um, what was the germans had moved out to saint charles um, and uh, even further in fact um, sometime when i visit even the church in overland mm. um, which is our redeemer in overland I would run into members that say, yes, I used to go to Nathaniel Orthorn School, right behind St. James. I used to be a member of St. James when I was a child, but now the family move either to Overland, to Olivet, to St. Charles, to St. Peter's, and so you run into uh, people out there that uh, remember St. James, And uh, um, but again, as I mentioned, that would be a part of what we call the white flight. Mm-hmm. In fact, even Lutheran North. Um, Lutheran North at one time was predominantly white um, but now I think it's probably predominantly African-American and you notice the ones that move out to St. Peter's what did they do they just started another Lutheran school out in St. Peter's you know Um so you know that's that you know again that white flight but also I think part of what happened with uh, one of the things behind white flight which we should also um, touch on is uh, is the, the, the fact that uh, the, the homes anytime African-Americans start moving into a certain area um, these real estate people would uh, go to all the people around and say with the African-Americans coming in your home the value of your home is gonna go down so you better sell now before mm-hmm. the value of your home goes down and they would sell and move to another area and then the, the, the realtors would take those same homes and then sell them again to more African Americans for an, an, an enormous price in fact um, as I mentioned about um, New York City, Queens, New York where I lived that was what happened in Cambria Heights Um, They would go to all these people in Cambridge Heights and say, you know, the value of your home is going to go down. So they would sell, and they would move, and then they would sell those homes to African-Americans. I
0: remember my mother telling me that happening here in St. Louis back in the 50s, uh-huh. in the 60s. Yeah,
1: yeah so sometimes I think it was, you know, people were concerned about the value of their homes, yeah. too. and that why was they, exactly
0: the line that, that was used. Yeah. Well, oh, it's going to affect property values. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's racism, but not necessarily racism always on the part of the individual. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes the person is just worried about my investment, (laughs) you know. Um, But of course, the realtors that would do that were doing it for racist reasons, you know. They have a way of trying to create different segregation, you know. It's a form of segregation. Mm -hmm. And that was what I saw going on in New York, segregation. But getting back to um, Pastor Karowski, he did a lot of outreach in the U City area, when he was co-pastor with um, with Pastor Baker, and when I talked to a lot of the African Americans that are still there, they would say it was because of Pastor Karowski and his outreach to us why we are why we became members of Saint James and still are members of Saint James. In fact, he was considered to be one of the most aggressive outreach person, when, when you hear them describe him, because they would say, um, if I miss church one Sunday. I know who was going to show up at my door <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> you know, it was going to be Pastor Karolczyk going. How are you? You know, um, we missed you. You know, saw
0: you at the mall. Yeah, <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> so, so you know, uh, so outreach is important. So I think he did um, um, a good job in reaching out. And I, what I can say for for Pastor Baker too was. Um, you know, he was, uh, the kind of pastor that s- stuck to the word of God and the sacraments. You know, he did not treat people differently. You no, know, he was no. welcoming of all people. And so he was not doing anything that was going to turn them away anyway. And so with, um, with this straight word and sacrament ministry going on and Pastor Korowski reaching out to, to others, um to the African Americans in the in the community. So we started to have that influx of African Americans at um at St. James. And that was important because the neighborhood had changed, you know. And so if you don't want the church to die, then you're going to have to start reaching out to the people in your in the neighborhood. And that's what he did. Um and in fact even the ladies, those two ladies that visited us recently mm-hmm. and are Thinking about joining? Oh, that would be great. They are from like one of those uh, real big churches out and um, out and it's off seventy called Faith Church, and uh, they are becoming disillusioned with some of those mega churches. Also, in fact, we also have another lady that joined us a couple of years ago, um, who is coming from that um, holiness type church and becoming disillusioned with it and like the kind of word and sacrament that they're hearing at St. James. And she came, she brought her daughter and her granddaughter and her sister and, uh, you know, it grows from there. So, you know, outreach is is indeed possible. Um, But yeah, we do face these obstacles and I think, you know, we should... uh, um, fight against those obstacles. Try to resist them. Try to point out that uh, um, this is not what you know we are called to do. You know because what is the church? <clears throat> the church is made up of people who have been called out of the world. You know, I always uh, you know when people look at uh, translations and they see the word church, um, it's hard to see what's really behind the word and uh, you know that's one of the the, the beauty of um, looking at things sometime in Greek because yeah. when you look at the word you know you can see in the word you know the idea of being called out or you know being chosen or elected you know being called out and I think we should uh, remember that that's what church is it's made up of people who have been called out of the world and set aside for a sacred purpose and the purpose we have been set aside for is to call others out of the world you know um, it's not about being possessive and go like you're an intruder you're not welcome here uh, but you are very much the, wa- yes, yes, the great commission yes yes the great commission go therefore and make disciples of all nations yeah that's the great commission so it that's what we've been called to do is to call others out of the world just as we have been called out of the out of the world and so it's uh, that's why I wanted to get to that area of confessionalism because when someone say how do we reach out to more African-Americans I always have to go back to how did someone reach me Mm. what did they do what side of Lutheranism was I presented When that person spoke to me, what did they present me with? They certainly did not present me with uh, a church that is conservative. They didn't present me with uh, all these obstacles. I discovered the obstacles once I got in, but they didn't show me those obstacles. What they presented me with was the confessional side of the church because I remember talking to the, 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 the pastor that gave me my first catechism and uh, you know I said I'm Roman Catholic and he goes welcome you know Roman Catholics make good Lutherans <laughs> I go, really <laughs> and he gave me Luther's catechism that's what he gave me he's showing me the doctrinal the confessional side of the church the doctrinal side of this, mm-hmm. of the church its purity and I noticed that when I teach catechism class, especially to a lot of African-Americans, they are attracted to the church based on just that. Um, one of the ladies that was in confirmation class with me just a year ago, um, she said, I've been to so many other churches, especially a lot of the holiness churches, and I have trouble believing them. And she said, for the first time, I'm hearing a pastor that I believe. Because I was pointing her to the Word of God. You know, not to anything about your decision, your feelings, your giving your life to Christ, whatever. Here is what we are, not just you. Here's what we are as sinners. And here's why we need a Savior. And that savior is Jesus. I think if we present them with the confessional side of Lutheranism, then we can certainly make inroads into into the African American um, community. It has happened because those churches in New York that became predominantly African American—that's what happened. They came in based on doctrine. It's just that they ran into obstacles you know they ran into the white flight or the you know the conservatism I don't want things to change or whatever so they would run into these obstacles but the what was what I was presented with was the confessional side of the church the, the purity of its doctrine you know the right administration of the sacraments so I think we have something that is um, that is very important that african americans um, need to hear um, and so on the one hand we need to um, talk against and try to put down these obstacles that that do exist whether we call it white flight whether we call it um, conservatism whether we call it possessiveness um, we need to again remind the church of what it was called to do what it is and what it was called to do you know to present people with the purity of God's Word the right doctrine and right administration of the sacrament that's what I was presented with and uh, you know I just couldn't get enough of it to the point where when the new pastor came um, I used to pick his brain a lot you know in fact, uh, I told this story once in Bible study that um, that what I did was uh, um, <clears throat> what I did was uh, I used to invite him to dinner all the time, and uh, but not at my house. I used to invite him to dinner at at his own house,
2: <laughs> and they would all chuckle, you know.
0: And and he was very gracious, you know, um, because. You know, we've got a, a caller on the line, Cindy from St. Louis. Cindy, I'd love to have you join this conversation. What do you have to say?
2: Thank you. I, I um, Kip, I want you to know that these programs and a lot of the news programs you do are wonderful. Don't stop doing those. <laughs> and, Pastor, um, I have, um, uh, at the beginning of this week, because of so many murders in the city of St. Louis, and I have um, um, prayed and ask god that there's got to be an answer to the um african american community and my and my personal answer would be lutheran pastors in the african american community because i don't believe that the leadership the pastoral leadership in those communities actually give the gospel to people you are a sinner you need a savior jesus is the savior and and not far and and he is you know the pastor's savior he is all humanity's savior yes um, and and you know come unto me all ye who labor and are heavy laden though that is the message that has to get up, get out and i vote for you to recruit african-american pastors to come into our church
1: thank you thank you, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. yeah because that's you know again that's how someone reached me you know it was with uh it was with the fact that i am a sinner in need of a savior mm. and that that savior is jesus
0: um and and go well, ahead we may have taken a step in the right direction you know in the in the aftermath of the the horrible things that happened in florist uh, pardon me. In Ferguson, uh, the Hope Center was established, mm-hmm. and that was—that's an LCMS project. We work with the Salvation Army, and I believe it is your Urban League to get that center put up there. And we are trying to bring the message to a troubled community. Yes, and not just the gospel, which is so desperately needed, but also by working f- with the Salvation Army and working with the Urban League, everything from uh, helping them with, with uh, education, with uh, job hunts, things along that line, that the help is there and the church is vitally uh, a, a part of this, that we're vitally concerned with this, with the welfare of people.
1: Yes, and you know, that's um, one of the... One of the areas of um, our president um, Matthew Harrison. That's one of the areas of his strength. Oh yes. To be to show the compassion of the church, because sometimes people don't want to hear what you have to say until they know that you care. Yeah. And
0: they say talk is
1: cheap. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know, um, one of his area of strength is to show the church as being. And it's compassionate yep. and and you know it's genuine because um, he used to work with um, Lutheran World Relief before becoming the president um, of the Synod um, and so he has this compassion side of him that I think is very helpful is that then you show people that you really care about them and then they'll listen and when they listen you can't tell you know what you've got to tell them has got to be that yeah we are all sinners you know we can't uh, we can't try to you know play that down we have to no, make it can't. clear that we are you know the reason why things like this happen in in Ferguson or in Texas or in Columbine or wherever um we're seeing just how depraved our world is coming the more secular it it is becoming it is becoming so um depraved it's like the sinful nature of man is running unchecked you know it 's running unchecked here, um, as, as we were saying earlier before the, before we started the program. There was a time when people had machine guns, and it was unthinkable to shoot up a school yeah. machines Machine guns have been banned now for years, and people are thinking about shooting up a school. It shows how depraved our society um, has become um because it's becoming so secularized it's you know we're moving away from certain core beliefs that kept us uh more restrained um and so you're right we need to point out again that we are sinners in need of a savior and that savior is Jesus we've got to point people to Jesus um as as their savior that lady um um so eloquently po- pointed out that that is the message to reach into the african american community and i believe they would re- they will resonate to that message um and become a part of our church you know we we need to get rid of the obstacles too i yeah. would like for those obstacles to be removed so that um you know in, in fact it's what do we talk about what is hum- what is um, homiletics all about to showing that you know God wants us to believe something, and there is something standing in our way and the gospel is the way to overcome the obstacle that's what um preaching and um homiletics is all about so I think um you know as we talk about reaching into the african american com- community and what would appeal to them, it's the pure gospel it has to be that um that pure gospel that we have so richly in our church
0: it is and and I don't think the message is getting out quite the way it should. That this is indeed one hundred percent pure gospel. Yes. So you know, it, it's uh, we we talked earlier again off the air. We had the most fascinating discussions off the air. You people ought to hear this sometimes. Uh, we were talking about false prophets. Yes. And so much of society today, I think, is lured by the false prophets who are saying such things as, well, it's not really bad to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you you know that, you know you can do what you want. Well, no, you can't. Right, right. And you know, the message, I think, is very clear. And I know it's one of the things that has kept me steadfast as a Lutheran.
1: Yeah. Is, well, is, but, but, but because there is what you call, I like to describe um, what's out there a lot, is uh, a social gospel.
0: mm Good rather question.
1: than, yeah, rather than the real gospel of the cross. You know, the social gospel, um, you know, people like to talk about how to fix society. And, you know, here's how man can fix himself or fix society. Whereas, you know, <laughs> we've got to start with Christ. You know, we've got to start with Christ and the, the, the gospel of the cross. Um that's where everything that's where we have been reconciled to God. Yeah. That's where reconciliation starts. That's where true sanctification
0: starts. You know? Um Well my teeth always get on edge when somebody says, Well, I'm a good person. No you aren't. Right, right. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. In fact, one of our members was talking to me the other day about um a relative of his that he is often having these discussions with. And the person said to him, "Um, you know, why do bad things happen to good people?" Mm. and uh, you know my question is, Show me a good person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know there's no really such thing as as a good person we're not good in and of ourselves um we are sinners, you know, so they would like to in you know show that if you are good, then good things should happen to you but first of all the first premise is wrong to say that someone is good um, that's wrong (laughs) you know we're all sinners in need of a severe. we live in a sinful world we live in a fallen world and because we live in a fallen world bad things happen Um, but again you know reaching out to the african-american community we've got to use the pure gospel that's how someone reached me and it uh it has kept me in the church to the point where as i mentioned um... what happened in new york never made me walk away from the church Made me stay and uh... even you know after picking my pastor's brain for so many years you know eventually he said you know you should just go to school <laughs> you know? and uh... you know with his um encouragement yes i did go on and study and Now I'm a pastor of a church, but it's important that we reach out and present people with the gospel.
0: It is. And uh, I think, you know, I look at some of the other religions that uh, acquaintances and friends of mine are involved in or not involved in, and it's a feel-good philosophy. Yes. And that is not true. That's not the truth.
1: No, no, that's not the truth.
0: And that yeah. is so seductive, and that is so misleading, you know I've often thought that that evil sometimes has to be attractive. who yeah. would do it otherwise?
1: exactly, yeah, yeah,
0: and I think this is where so many people are getting misled, yeah, and this and the gospel message is hard, yeah, it really is. God never promised us that it was going to be easy,
1: no, no, he did not. He did not um, promise us that when we become Christians, um, you know, life is going to be a, a bed of roses. Yeah. No, in fact, um, when you become a Christian, I think sometimes that's when the devil comes after you the most. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know? now he's on the attack. You know, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the point in converting the uh, in converting the evil who are already evil? Yeah, yeah. yeah. you already just, you already
1: got him. Yeah,
0: right? <laughs> Well, Pastor, we're running out of time here, about 30 seconds. Do you have any uh, last-minute thoughts? Last-minute thoughts, I would,
1: uh, again, um, reemphasize, you know, that in spite of the obstacles, um, we should oppose these obstacles. We should, you know, confront our members um, with uh, what the church really is. You know, the church is really made up of people who have been called out of the world and we have been set aside for a sacred purpose and that purpose is to call others out of the world and we should not let color or congregation become an obstacle to to this we should reach out with the gospel of jesus christ
0: absolutely and just as a little aside if you happen to be in uh, university city this sunday Drop by St. James. You'll love it. <laughs> You've been listening to Let's Talk the Pastor is In. Today's guest is Pastor Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. I want to give special thanks to Pastor Meritus. You've been for listening Soli. to The Pastor is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor is In on Worldwide KFUO.